This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Kaylin Less. If you want to change your life, you have to get honest with yourself. What's working and what isn't? Who's bringing you forward and who's holding you back? Candid self-reflection can reveal things you wish weren't there, but knowing what you're dealing with makes big change possible. The person you are about to meet knew something had to give. There were countless areas of her life that she wanted to improve, but only when she got honest about her addiction to alcohol did she start to make any progress forward. Sobriety seemed like such a daunting must-do on her self-improvement to-do list that she didn't know how to start and she didn't think she could sustain it. We challenge you as a listener to pay close attention to what her lead domino was because it was so small, it will surprise you. With that, let's get into this episode with Grace Froome. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like Breakfast on the Go, lunch, snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. So Grace, thanks for coming and joining us on the One Thing Podcast. Absolutely. This is a blast already. <laughs> we are pretty fun. We do. It's it's maybe one of our one things. <laughs> exactly. I like it. It's working for you guys. <laughs> so we're talking to Grace Vroom because she works inside our, our building with us here in Austin, Texas. And I'm really excited to share it with you. Grace, start at the beginning. Tell me a little bit about you. So I'm a Dallas gal, born and raised. I ended up going to Massachusetts to discover myself in college. And I ended up staying there in Boston to start my career. And in doing so, I had realized that my desire to essentially leave Texas and put myself in a new environment was creating some difficulties for me that I wasn't really prepared to handle. I didn't really have the tools to handle. Some of those things included uh, finding myself in a career that I didn't really love just because I had to pay the bills. I found myself in a relationship that was going okay, but I wasn't really able to advocate for myself because I didn't have a lot of confidence in this place where I was, where no one really appreciated my Texas-friendly attitude. It was a very competitive culture there. And I, I wasn't really able to find a community that sustained the kind of creativity and the kind of energy that I really wanted in my life. So when I was going through some of those things, realizing that I wasn't really making money, I was far away from my family in Texas. I was in a tough relationship that I was struggling to find my voice in. 
I was also drinking throughout this entire process, trying to numb myself from the crazy snow outside, numb myself from the reality of the fact that I wasn't happy where I was at work or at home, and to numb the fact that I was away from my family. Uh, And that's where it was actually during a time when my parents had gotten divorced, my grandparents had died, and there was a lot of change going on at home. But I thought for some reason, being in Boston was going to be my calling. So it sounds like you had this new life, Grace, that you had sort of architected in a way to build a new career and new relationships. And really, a lot of those things were struggling. Everything from your job to your, your day-to-day to the relationships in your life. And you found yourself leaning on alcohol as a way to cope with this life that you were in. Is that correct? Absolutely. I was really determined to make the situation I was in work simply because I thought... Well, I can't I can't be at home because everyone I knew from Dallas just stayed in Dallas. And I actually thought that that was my my fixed mindset and that me being in Boston was really my that was me growing, that was me expanding, but in reality that wasn't the case. And I was really missing out on something that I could have been creating for myself just because I was actually acting really stubborn. So, how did you then narrow the focus as you were struggling and you were in this moment of really trying to just make it work while also everything was sort of crumbling. How did you narrow the focus to your drinking as being the the domino that would make everything else easier? Sure. Well, I I was certainly in denial for a long time. And that that tends to happen, I think, with a lot of people struggling with addiction like I have been. And so one thing that I... I realized was that I had been trying to change jobs. I had been working on my relationship here and there a little bit. And I realized that, okay, maybe I just need to change this or change that. And then finally, after a particularly crazy night of drinking in the middle of a terrible hangover, I told myself that I really just couldn't moderate anymore, that I had to actually get sober. And in order to do that, I knew that I I had to do a couple things first to change my life around. So I I did all of these things, again, kind of in procrastination for this big daunting domino that I had set up for myself. So I had I ended my relationship. I found a way to transition out of my job and work remotely. I moved from Boston back home to Texas. I was able to reconnect with my family. I ended up falling in love with my best friend from work. I moved to Austin. I started a new job. I did all of these crazy things that I thought would be the thing and and really make everything all better. And while a lot of those things turned out to be really crucial for the betterment of my life, most of it really was done out of procrastination. And I was kind of multitasking. I was trying to juggle all of these different things, thinking that that would change my whole life. So Grace, what I'm hearing you say is that you knew that there were so many things that needed to change and trying to figure out like would drinking make if you quit drinking would this make your job easier or if you actually like move back to texas would that make your relationships better because our lives while we all can just do one thing at a time we all have a lot of one things that and it's one of the biggest myths that people struggle with is they say like well i've got more than one thing i've got my family i've got my job where do i start and the key is kind of to start to narrow the focus to what's the one thing right now that I can do 
such that by doing it makes everything else easier or necessary. And as you made a lot of changes in your life, how did that affect this one area of your life that you were really struggling with? Totally. I, I'm... Even as I read and reread the one thing over and over, I think about how I wish I'd had a little Jay and Gary talking into my ear as I was getting all of this started. Because I essentially woke up one morning and I realized that I had set up all these new things for myself, but I wasn't able to actually enjoy them because I was still drinking. So I'd even, I woke up one morning after I'd had a relapse through all of these changes. I still was trying to get sober and I thought that would, I mean, I knew that that would be the change for me. But I thought if I just focus on these other ones, all these other one things I have, then that one will become easier. And of course, it it really was that getting sober had to be the thing to make everything else easier, of course. And so I, I essentially woke up after my 20th relapse since I had first started on this sober journey about eight months prior to this day. And I realized that I had spoken to, to my boyfriend, who was the then best friend that I had fallen in love with. And I talked to him the night before, but, but I hadn't really remembered any part of the conversation and I realized that I had fought so hard to change my life around, but I wasn't able to enjoy it or maintain it or really be a part of it. So I was finding that I was, you know, kind of half doing all these other one things, right? So I was going to my new job hungover. I was feeling all the shame from continuing to drink that I couldn't really create that community. I didn't want to make new friends because I thought they would judge me. I was avoiding my family for some of those same reasons. And I was missing out on conversations with this new person who was who was actually giving me this healthy relationship that I wanted. So that's that was the morning when I realized that I actually had to get focused on the one thing that I knew would be the hard one, but I had to do it. So I, I ended up knocking over my first domino really without knowing it. And I, I texted a friend that I really admired who had recently quit drinking. And I just asked him to help me. I hadn't really told many people about it. But I just said, can you help me figure out how you did it? And can you talk to me as I get started? And from that point, I haven't had any alcohol since. Well, Grace, it sounds like you were trying to make some big changes in your life all by yourself. Even though you were surrounded by a community that was very willing and able to support you, you also hadn't yet asked for that support. Right. And and of course, realizing that, okay, get sober, right? Like that was my big, huge domino. And in my mind, that became for me, I because of what I'd seen from people I knew or what you see from even media, I thought that getting sober meant actually taking on a bunch of new habits, like getting up at 6 a.m. or working out, you know, six times a day, learning how to meditate uh, every corner of my apartment and and find enlightenment. I thought that that meant I had to do all of these new things. And so what it really turned into that that made it possible for me to actually genuinely get started was just tell one person. It was just text someone and just say it and get it out of myself so that I could actually have that support. And I wouldn't get stuck in just all of this pressure that I'd put on just me internally. I love that you mentioned you had created this idea of what sober Grace looked like. She ate healthy foods. She exercised. Her 
apartment was glittering spotless clean. And you had this idea of someone that you attached this one thing to all these other things, which made it pretty daunting, even though alone on its all by itself, it was still a big thing. And so when you finally decided, hey, let me unpack this and put all I have to do is stop drinking. Even if my apartment's dirty, it's fine because my mark for success is that I didn't have a drink today. And by making that the one thing and all the other things that might happen in as a consequence of that one thing, but it's not your mark of success. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. And so I, I really had to, to reframe it, right? Like you were saying, where instead of getting sober, which had all these attached, bigger, huge, daunting things, it was like 20 huge dominoes that I was adding on for myself. I just told myself, you just have to stop drinking. Which meant that then my, you know, my first domino of telling someone then led to that second one of, okay, all you have to do is find something to do from like 5 p.m. until 10 p.m. that isn't drinking. Because that was the time when I felt this is when you have a glass of wine and you just unwind after your crazy work day. This is when happy hour starts. And I thought, okay, if I can just find something. And even if that something is eating a whole pint of ice cream, right? Like <laughs> I'm not I'm not trying to lose 50 pounds while I'm I'm getting sober. I just had to not drink. And and also realizing that I didn't have to the thing that I replaced drinking with didn't have to be perfect as well. And that was that was hard to get over, but as as soon as I focused on okay, find it. Just find something to do. That became a lot easier. And I knew that even if I was working out from five, you know, for five hours until 10 o'clock, that didn't mean I had to do it every day. It didn't mean I had to get abs all of a sudden. Uh, It didn't mean that I couldn't then take a nap at 7 p.m. or whatever it was going to be that I just had to take that perfectionism out of the things I was replacing and really just do that thing. So the one thing for you, Grace, it was not not drinking. That seemed like the obvious thing. That seemed like the, the one thing that would make everything else easier. But the lead domino for that one thing was actually just telling one person. Absolutely. And that really set off this whole chain that has helped me sustain sobriety and quit my addiction to alcohol for the last three and a half years. If I hadn't reached out to that one person that one morning, I'm not sure, you know, I don't want to think about where I might be today. And once I realized that it was this little thing that I just had to do one day, that became something I could really build off of. And once I kept going and I thought, well, I found my thing to do from 5 to 10 p.m. today, I thought, all right, now you have to find another thing to do from 5 to 10 p.m. the next day. And ultimately, it helped me create a toolbox so that if I was in a situation where I may have felt triggered to drink, I instead of falling back on oh no i'm now i'm going to drink i knew i had all these backups these sort of backup dominoes that i could rely on instead of just reverting back to drinking i had this support system almost like a 
like a huge mattress to fall on if I fell off this wagon, right? And and even still, I knew that I had the support of this one person. And as I kept talking about it and kept sharing it, there were more people and more people, more tools and more tools so that I just felt so surrounded by comfort and support that reverting back would have actually been the uncomfortable part. Have you heard about Gusto? Gusto's one thing is helping small business owners run payroll and file taxes. Something that for many of us business owners isn't our one thing. And if you're still wearing those hats, you have an awesome opportunity to seek leverage. So many of the old payroll processors out there were not designed for the way that modern businesses operate today. And Gusto is. That's why 90% of customers say that switching to Gusto was easy. 85% of them say running payroll is now easier than it was with their previous provider. And 74% of customers say that it takes them 10 minutes or less to run payroll with Gusto. It's because Gusto was built for small businesses from the start. It works with you. Unlimited payrolls, off-cycle payrolls, multiple states, multiple schedules, you name it. Gusto works with you. Everything in one place, all online, so that you can stay organized and take care of your business. And it integrates with your favorite tools to make your life easier. Tools like QuickBooks, Xero, Google, and more. Gusto's turning old school payroll on its head and it's getting even better. It's why they won Best Online Payroll for 2018. Listeners of the One Thing Podcast can get three free months when they run their first payroll. You can try a demo and see for yourself today at gusto.com slash one. That's G-U-S-T-O dot com slash O-N-E. Gusto.com slash one. Grace, as you explored all these things you could do from 5 to 10 p.m., did you start to develop any habits that anchored your behavior so that it made it easier? Sure. So what was what was kind of fun for me, I, I love puzzles. Uh, um, my, my husband makes fun of me for it, but I love puzzles. And so I thought about what drinking alcohol had really taken from me. And I thought of it as, as this thief that had stolen things from me and that my job then was to work to replace those things with new tools to take back those things. So I would try a variety of things, but one of the areas was nourishment and health. It had taken that from me. I never, I never felt good after a night of drinking. I never felt nourished and fulfilled uh, after that experience. So I, at night, would start drinking big bottles of sparkling water. And it almost felt like I was drinking a bottle of wine, but it was Pellegrino. And it felt fancy and it felt like a treat for myself. But instead of, you know, tons of wine, it was sparkling water. If I felt like, oh, taking shots was something I missed that I think about that now and I I almost get nauseous, but I would take shots of apple cider vinegar, which honestly kind of tastes the same as if you take a shot of whiskey. And <laughs> so at the same time, I knew that there were these health benefits aligned with that too. I'd also missed out on a lot of genuine memorable connection. So a big thing that I I really focused on doing was having one meaningful conversation with someone I admired every day. And I found out that was that was probably the easiest thing because I surrounded myself with great people who could help support me instead of 
when you're when you're drinking, you just complain about your hangover. You talk about the crazy things that you did. And instead, I replaced that with people who lifted me up and told me about how great sobriety was. They weren't talking about how much it had drained them or how much they had missed alcohol or anything like that. Can you tell me a little bit more about that, Grace? Because like having one meaningful conversation with someone you admire a day, how did you tackle that? Because I can imagine that you're building this new community while also letting go of an old one. And that one conversation, did it have to be... Were there any rules that you had created around it to make it easier so that um, you were inspired to start in a certain way? Or tell me more. Yeah. So when I said it was a one meaningful conversation with someone I admired, I that could, for me, be one person that I talked to every day for 66 days or 3 years. So... If I had had a conversation with my my then boyfriend, he was someone that I admired and he was someone that I, I really cared about. So if I had a conversation with him, I wanted to make sure that it wasn't just about what was in the news, but that it was really meaningful. I then took that time to, to share more with my family. So people that I really admired in my family, I just I opened up so that we could have more meaningful conversations. When I, when I found myself going to meetings, I actually started going to something called SMART. And it was a little bit more discussion-based than AA is. And that's where I, I met someone who was leading these meetings. And I would take time after the meeting to have one-on-one conversations with him and ask him if there were other people he knew that I could just listen to or just sit and, you know, and, and hear their stories. So it meant that I had to put myself out there. I have a lot of social anxiety. And I had realized that I, especially having grown up in the South, had been taught that you always have a glass of something in your hand and you always have to host and you always have to be the smiling face of every party. And that became crazy hard when I stopped drinking. So I had to essentially relearn how to be social without alcohol. And that just meant putting a little step here and there and saying, could you introduce me? Or could you tell me more? Kind of like what you just did. I wanted people to expand so that we could have these meaningful connections. And I could look back on it and remember that I still could connect and actually in a more meaningful way than I ever had before. So that habit of connecting with people, it did two things for you. One, you were building this community of humans that were in your corner that could advocate for you and could really listen and you could listen back so that you could learn from them. And in addition, it was reteaching you how to exist in the world without alcohol. Yes. And it really was... I was I was genuinely really scared when I first thought of getting sober that it meant I would be boring, which was somehow my biggest fear that... If you got sober, it meant you don't get to celebrate anymore. You don't get to let loose. You don't get to have these crazy experiences. And then I realized that once I had actually just stopped drinking and started doing all these other things with that time that I had, that time that I not only wasn't drinking, but I wasn't hungover, I wasn't filling my head with shame and anxiety... I could then use that time to actually fill myself with 
kind of like, you know, you fill yourself up with kale or whatever instead of potato chips. Like you just end up feeling nourished for a lot longer. And I'm not here advocating kale over potato chips. I love them both dearly, but you, you just feel better for longer. And that's an incredible feeling that I didn't know existed because once I realized that you can get through that discomfort and keep going, that, that part where you get over the discomfort, you get through it, that's, that's it. That's the feeling that I had been looking for my entire life. And I was, I was essentially robbing that from myself because I would drink instead of getting over that discomfort hump, if you will. And so that really opened up just a whole new world for me. So Grace, what I'm hearing you say is that you're going through these motions and you're doing the thing that you're trying to do. But there comes that point when we hit this friction or we hit the what you called that hump where you felt like it was becoming more uncomfortable because you've never been over it before. And the thing is, we've, we found that when you trust the domino effect... Those dominoes knock over all on their own. Like at first, you're pushing each domino over, but you don't have to push the hundredth domino over because the domino right before it, it does it for you. It becomes so much easier, but you do have to push through and to trust the domino effect. Yes. It's, I wish again that I had known this way earlier in my life because it really feels incredible. I always thought of myself as someone who just didn't do well with endurance. Like I would be interested in sprints uh, in, in gym class or I wanted to have shorter class time so that we could just get it all done more quickly. But really, I was just scared of that discomfort. And that's that fixed mindset of if I keep going, then I might fail. And that's not something that I want to experience. But I realized that as I just focused on not drinking, my, you know, my partner was opening up to me more in response to my vulnerability that I was sharing with him. I became closer with my parents than I'd ever felt in my life just because they were actually seeing me and I was, I was really sharing more and feeling more confident in myself. I was able to really move up quickly in my career because I could actually focus on <laughs> on work instead of how terrible I felt in my body because I had been drinking. And it truly became this... It's actually a domino effect, embarrassingly so. But it all just came together. And every day, I ultimately thought, okay, do I want this one thing to be super hard today or do I want everything else to be super hard today? And am I willing to numb myself from all the good just to numb myself from the bad for a little bit? And 10 times out of 10, the answer was, no, I, I want to focus on this one thing. I don't want to numb myself from all of this good. Just keep going. And it got to a point where I wasn't even asking myself those questions anymore. And it just... It felt better to put myself in these new situations and see that people were were coming to me with more questions, were looking up to me in a totally different way and genuinely every aspect of my life. And I thought, oh, this, this is what it was. This is what I've been wanting. And it's only... It's just gotten better from there. It totally opened up a whole new world of possibilities that 
I had no idea was there. Grace, I want to restate something you said because it hit home for me. When you said, do I want this one thing to be hard for me or do I want everything else to be hard? And sometimes we resist the one thing that feels big. Even though it affects all the other areas of our life, if we can just do that one thing, the impact that we have for our future self is huge. It sounds like since since you've managed to get sober, your life has gotten so much bigger. You've had so much more room in your life for other things. Talk a little bit about that. So I truly thought that if I... I had all these other things set up for myself that those would be the foundational things that would really support me in the sobriety journey, but it totally flipped itself, right? So that when I really focused on sobriety, I focused on let's just not drink. It, even if I was, like I said before, even if I was spending the entire night eating cupcakes or just staying in bed that was okay. And I just had to deal with it. And I swear, I don't even... At the time, I felt a little bit of shame and anxiety around those things. But the pride that I felt for not drinking totally outweighed that. And that's what also kept me going because that became so clear that it really was my one thing that I just kept doing it. And so even since then, like I said, it's been this world of possibilities. So I. I started focusing on my career more, advocating for myself because I knew that I was actually worth something. And even in the three and a half years I've been in Austin, I'm now making more than twice the salary I was when I first landed in Austin. And uh, I was able to save more money because alcohol really adds up. So a year and a half ago, I was able to, to buy a house. And that was something I never thought that I would have as a millennial in this economy. So from there, I also... Again, I I created this deeper relationship with my family after the loss of my grandparents, after the divorce of my my parents. We all became a lot closer. I've, I've maintained the greatest relationship of all time. Sorry to all of you who think that you have the greatest one. But with my now husband and... We were able to to really just become closer than than ever before. I started doing storytelling shows and stand up comedy, which was something that I'd always been really scared to do. And I had always thought that people had to do a couple shots before they got up on stage and did comedy. But I did it sober, and it's been the most freeing experience of my life. And I was able to start my own alcohol free accountability coaching business for women. So I'm able to help support other women who, like me, almost four years ago, think there's just no way. It's just too scary. And so now I have that whole business that is really empowering for me and really exciting. And then, if that's not enough, I most importantly to me, I've been able to, to care for my mom since she was actually diagnosed with a rare form of dementia about a year ago. So... I'm not sure what the universe was telling me or whatever it may have been, but she started showing signs of this this type of dementia about three years ago when I really got sober. And I was able to spend some time with her and I was able to live with her and enjoy those moments before she actually was hit with this disease. And now I'm able to 
go on trips with her, with her friends. I'm able to spend time with her and care for her as she's going through this dementia. And if I were drinking through all of this, like a lot of people expect me to, they give me bottles of wine when they hear that my mom's sick, someone would have to be taking care of me. And I wouldn't be able to be present in any of this. And it would be a total disaster. So my whole world has changed. And I can't imagine if I hadn't gone through all of this, what it would look like now. Grace, it sounds like through this journey, you've been able to truly learn how to take care of yourself. And it's given you a lot of space to grow areas of your life that you couldn't have even imagined and to take care of a lot of the people in your world that have helped you get here. What would you tell someone who might be struggling with addiction? What's one thing they can do to start on this journey to sobriety? Share it with somebody that you trust. And make sure that it's just one person. You don't have to ask everyone in your life for help. You don't have to sign up for rehab tomorrow. Just share it with one person and go from there. Grace, thank you for being vulnerable with us and sharing your journey of sobriety. We have so many people in our community that have leveraged the tools and the systems and the one thing to take control of their lives. And sometimes these areas can be so intimidating and so daunting. It's been a pleasure hearing your story. Thank you. It's my pleasure. There you have it. Our conversation with Grace Broom. What stands out to us were two specific things. The first was that lead domino. You know, Grace thought that her one thing was to quit drinking and get sober. And that was a huge thing that by focusing on that, she kept failing and failing and failing. But until she narrowed it down to her lead domino, which was telling one person, she shared it with one person that she trusted and said, I'm trying to do this. I just need to tell you about it. And that one thing made everything else easier or unnecessary. The other thing that really stood out was that while Grace was struggling with her job, her relationships, a lot of the details of her life, she thought initially that if she could get the right job and have the right apartment and have the right partner, that then she would have the tools and the support system to get sober. But essentially, in order to get those things, she had to quit drinking first. Sometimes it's really easy to focus on the thing that we want versus the thing that we need to do. And essentially, by doing the hard thing, the one thing that makes everything else easier or unnecessary, it makes so much room in your life for the things that matter most. What's one thing that you want to build a habit around this year? Who's the person you want to become? And what are the habits that that person needs to form? Right now, our community is forming a 66-day challenge together, a community-wide collection of people all building a power habit together. And you can join us in two ways. You can either download the 66-day challenge calendar from our website at theonething.com. That's a number one in the URL where you can track your habit and your progress throughout those 66 days. Join a community where you can get built-in accountability and support to form those habits that you've been looking to form. You can join us at theonething.com slash community. That's with the one in the URL. And we're excited to see what becomes possible this year. If you're new to The One Thing Podcast, click the subscribe button so that all new episodes are downloaded to your device. And while you're at it, leave us a rating or review. It would mean the world to us. We'll see you in the next episode.